You are what you do. I will and you started com- off as a nutcase who wanted to fucking talk to comics. Yeah. And now you're a guy that interviews comics. Yeah. Yep. I uh, <laughs> I will keep showing up until they uh, <laughs> tell me I can't. So. Yeah. I have no interest in stopping. I I love it. I yeah. love doing this. It's normally the uh, highlight of my week. Oh, sure. good. Oh, yeah. That's a terrible life, but I think it's <laughs> good that it's it's a highlight. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so sure. the topic today is how miserable your life is and so i'll be interviewing you yeah and, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> finally 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 in episode 462 462 you're like well my cat's leg just got amputated and uh <laughs> oh that would be a relief <laughs> that thing chases me around the house like you wouldn't believe my cat is like a dog oh you're being abused at home yeah by an uh, an my, animal my cat's a bully Mm. So yeah, you bring that up and I'm going to be triggered. Do yeah. you just have the one cat? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I the one cat I never agreed to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those are the hardest. Can I tell you something? I'm talking to Ryan Stout here, No Laugh Track Podcast, no. episode 462. And uh, just the other day, I did something that's really crappy. In hindsight, I think it's really crappy. My wife said something. Oh, you know, I have a two and a half year old daughter, right? Yes. Okay. okay. And, and yeah. uh, I have 16, f- f- 14, two and a half. Yeah. I mm-hmm. got them all. All daughters. Okay. And uh, my wife was doing that, uh, oh, yeah, and, and it's your dad's time to change your diaper. And I went, and it's mom's time to change the litter box. Yeah? Yeah. She's never changed that litter box. Okay. And for this cat, we've had, like, I don't know, six years that I never agreed to. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I and basically- so finally, all of that pent-up <sighs> anger, you finally pulled it out. Mm-hmm. And what was her response? She was like, all right, I'll go change it. You yeah, piece, right. You piece of shit. Oh, changing the diaper. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She stayed by the baby and changed the diaper herself. Okay. Yeah. And now I'm admitting that my di- my two and a half year old's still in diapers, which I was going to say I don't have any kids, but I was like, that seems like a, a late, late stage. Summer early. It's it's definitely not real late, but it's definitely not. There are many that are already uh, advanced to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Do you have but, any tips? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have any tips for getting kids? <laughs> Uh, you know what? I've never taken a child's uh, underclothing off. Never done it. So not in any regard. Underclothing. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is like that uh, Big Daddy, Adam Sandler, where he makes his uh, <laughs> makes him uh, bathe in his underwear. I don't know the rules about this stuff. <laughs> I think it's so funny. Like uh, I will be like walking by like a school or something like that. You know, in the middle of the day, I'm walking to the post office or something like that, and I have to walk past a school. Yep. And I do have this like knowledge of like the school had like a chain link fence but then it put slats in there so people couldn't look through mm-hmm. and so i'm walking past and i'm like all right so i'm the late 30s guy walking past the elementary school you know clearly they put the slats in because people like me made them uncomfortable but i was like i don't even have access to to children like there's nothing about me that even if i was accused of something i'd be like you can't even find a picture of me with <laughs> a kid. Not even one that I'm related to. Like you there I have no children in my vicinity at all. You hear about is there, is there a TV appearance for maybe ten years ago where there was a child on set? Um there is a, a web series, uh and it was from over ten years ago. But it was it was it was like a child labor type thing. We'll be using that. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll so I was like an executive in a suit and tie and this this kid's gonna get hired to do some doodles. And we're gonna steal the doodles and sell you're a doodler? Great. Let's see what you got. That sounds like great business. Um, yeah, but that will use as evidence in court against you. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I would but, say don't be don't be loitering next to those broken slats. Yeah. Oh, I, and by the way, I probably shouldn't be putting putting one eyeball through right. and moaning real loud. But, <laughs> hey, you know, I, it's a free country. Um, yeah, I think about, like, these comedians who are accused of, like, grooming underage women or whatever like mm-hmm. that. And I was like, you know what? I don't even think I have anybody in my phone under the age of 28. That's I love that. I don't have one person. <laughs> and by the way, my nephew is in my phone. He's like, I think he's 20, but he's, I, I didn't even save his contact. I only know he's in there because he, he'll text me and I'll text him back, but it's always a number. And I'm like, who is this? Oh, okay. Keep it's your distance. Him. Yeah, yeah. Keep your You're distance. under 28. You. Take a few steps back, Sonny. So I found this thing that I think, amazingly, because I had no idea we were going to be uh, joking around about this stuff at the beginning here. Something I found on, uh, you still using Facebook a little here and there? Uh, very rarely. Very See, rarely. When, when Facebook really switched their algorithm around, 
to be like, oh, you have 10,000 fans and you want to put a post out? Well, we're going to send it to 80 of them. Yeah. And then if you want it to go to more, you pay. Yeah. I went, oh, well, I'm going to use this service a lot less now. Goodbye. Yeah. And it was very easy for me to walk away. But I also know that not putting stuff on Facebook is the equivalent of not advertising in the New York Times. Like, you're going to, you got to do it. Yep. But uh, as much as I think people are dropping off, I'll put some on there and they're still there. Yeah. They're still, still there. there. So I, uh, you know, I, have signed up to be, you know, a member of various groups on there, you know, like uh, the garage sale group and, you know, the neighborhood uh -huh. groups and stuff yeah. like that. So here's one that came up in my neighborhood, uh, the, my community page. I want you to get your thoughts on this. This is uh, this guy's post. Any high school kids want to make a few bucks? Need sheetrock from my garage to basement. It's 21 pieces at seven feet long. Pay when the last sheet is done. Need done ASAP. Scary or... I think I think disconnected. Are there warning signs it, there? It sounds it sounds like something my dad would post. My, by the way, neither one of my parents ever signed up for Facebook. I was so happy that they were smart enough not to get involved. Mom only for me. And uh, but it, it sounds like something like a seventy-five-year-old man would be like, "Well, this is how we did it in my day. When I was in high school, I moved sheetrock. Yeah, you know, somebody in the neighborhood needed it done. The high school kids would come out and help. Yeah, they're strong and dumb. Yeah, yeah. But I do think there's that general fear from all of us because we've just seen way too many documentaries about you know people getting kidnapped and by the way that was another thing like that happened while i was a kid there were all these rumors about like kids getting kidnapped and and people putting poison in halloween candy mm -hmm. you know how much poison's been put in halloween candy none none it's never happened none but we rearranged the world like that was a truth oh yeah if each of us <laughs> would have been asked as children uh how close to your house has someone been poisoned or had a razor blade and an apple i would have been like it was right around the corner yeah i know i know six kids yeah yeah. Yeah. My best friend died. Right. Yeah, no, never right. happened. Never, never happened. happened. But we were uh, brainwashed into thinking that that was the biggest. And it wasn't just us. It was our it was the, the parents of that generation. And I think I was just old enough that I missed it because I was allowed to just get on my bike and leave. <laughs> Stranger danger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were like, all right, well, come back before sundown or just try to make it around there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was allowed to go. Mm -hmm. But I know that anybody who was like five years, six years younger than I am. They had to have an adult around at all times. Oh yeah, oh and yeah. This, and I'm part of, and now I'm part of that uh, parent group that uh, was around all the time. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. right. Because yeah. we've just shifted society in a You're way. You're my sight. To think that somebody's in danger when it's like, nah, I think they're, they're probably fine. When someone has sheetrock to move for their basement, I, for a second, I'm like, is that is that a final destination of someone? And I would the be basement? the first to comment to be like, D does it need to be a high school kid? Because I could use a few bucks. I, honestly, when I saw this today, I was like. I got a couple friends my age that we could, we'd go over there and do it for their, you know, I don't know. How much is he paying? And by I'm the way, I'm not too old for that at all. You go over, turns out he's 86. He sees you and he's like, I seem a little old for high school, but come on in. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't be phased at all. <laughs> Probably not. He'd be like, all right, what are you, what are you, a junior? <laughs> Grab yourself a sarsaparilla and go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So. Uh, it's been a few years. I mean, besides you were here at Acme for the 30th uh, anniversary show yeah. last fall, but besides that, it's been a little bit. So I recorded an album here in 2018. It got released in 2019. Yep. Man in the Suit. Yeah. Um, and I uh, was really proud of it and was really excited to like get it out into the world. And it was doing pretty good numbers for a, for a, an album that's self-produced and not necessarily promoted by you know some big record label sure. and uh nobody's pushing it but me and it's you know you see those numbers on pandora and spotify and you go all right pretty good pretty good yeah um i've always had this theory i don't know if we've ever talked about it but i always paid close attention to the itunes comedy charts okay and one thing that is should be obvious is it's a sales tracking device yep so there's no element of like discrimination involved as far as iTunes goes. They're just counting. Sure. We just count. So people can say things like, ah, but the top 10 are all white men. And I'm like, yep, yeah, the top 10 are just John Mullaney and Jim Gaffigan. Those, it's just their records. And Weird Al. <laughs> yeah. Weird Al <laughs> pop in every now yeah. and then. But um, one thing I did notice, like I would go through all of the top like 200 albums and 99% of the time, they were all from artists who had three or more albums. 
Oh, you've never talked about this with me. No. Yeah, isn't that fascinating? Because, you know, um, if you have three albums out, it reminds people like, oh, people find the third album. They go, I wonder what else he has. And then they go back to the first one. So the sales for the first one are going up versus somebody who released one album. Well, their sales for that first album spiked and then they trailed off and there's no reason for new sure. fans to come along. Okay. So it seems obvious that if you have 10 albums out, you're going to sell more albums than somebody who has one album. Sure. Out. So that iTunes chart, I was always very keen on the idea of, oh, when I release my third album, things are going to shift. Things and, are going to shift. And? Yeah, they did and they didn't. Um, certainly the third album stayed in the number one spot longer than any of the, the others. It stayed in the top 10 longer than any of the others. Stayed on the full top 200 longer than any of the others. And the others would pop in here and there. Look at that. Um, but it just it just fed that idea. Like it was a goal that I was looking forward to, and I was glad that it did kind of pan out the way that I was guessing. Because nice. I'm not, I don't, I don't have any access to like the data at Apple as far as you know how these things work. This is just me observing and guessing over the course of years. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's very funny to me that somebody will like release their album, their first album, and they won't make it into the top ten, and they'll complain that like, well, people like me are being held back by the system, and you're like. It's the first album. Just wait and see. Yeah. At least a few more. You're going to be surprised at what happens. Uh, but what yeah, if somebody's so, like, all right, uh, this Tuesday, first album, next Tuesday, second album, two weeks from now, third album. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, wonder if it'll and, work and that's that the way. other thing. If the albums are bad, then you're not going to see any bump. Yeah. You have to consistently push. So I was really pleased with, uh, with um, kind of how the album did and was looking forward to like, reaping the rewards of that and then 2020 hit and i was like all right we're stuck inside yeah all right we're all indoors all the comedy clubs are closed okay what are we gonna do and um it was it was really strange because my approach to that whole thing was finally the competition is is being uh we're, we're all not working you know instead of this white knuckle competition for stage time that i've had since day one of doing stand-up well, now we're all at home, and there are these Zoom shows happening that I'm not going to do. Didn't do one. Wow. Because I was like, I'm not going to wow. stand in an empty room and perform for a computer. That's not, that's not what I wanted to do. Right. Um, and so it was just like, how long is this going to last? Is it going to be three months? Is it going to be six months? Is it going to be a year? How long are we going to be not doing stand-up? And I settled in really really quickly to be like let's just enjoy it for what it is this is a sabbatical now besides growing a beard i think you grew a beard at that time correct <laughs> i did yeah i mean i didn't have to do much it just kind of grew on its own <laughs> yeah came through you just check in on it every now and then my wife really liked it which i was surprised by she was like yeah good beard other people are like you that's strong beard on you you really got a good good chunky just comes in look like a mountain man and uh you know got into the beard oils and kept it soft and you know uh then when i shaved it off my wife was like oh my god and why did i shave it off because i went on stage like three or four times in 2021 where the show didn't go as well as i wanted it to and i was like wow well, it must be the beard i just blame the beard not the year and a half of not doing comedy no Seriously. it had to be the beard i also heard you talk uh on a podcast i listened to i think it was a fairly recent one and you were saying about um suit versus no suit on stage affecting an audience do you still think that um last night you had a suit on last night Acme. i wore a suit i mean i wasn't wearing suits you know soon out of the pandemic because they were all too big on me my wife has an autoimmune disorder so she doesn't have gluten she doesn't have sugar and we were cooking together indoors so i didn't have gluten or sugar um we didn't have booze no booze in the house so it's got sugar in it yeah so uh the weight I was already kind of a slender guy, but I was down to like 14 year old Ryan Stout weight. Like it just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. my natural state is skinny guy. And all of my suits were just so big on me, which is when you've got a lot of years doing stand up and collecting suits, you've got $16,000 worth of suits in the closet that don't fit anymore. Oh my goodness. And you go, huh? Oh my goodness. All right. That's weird. Um, so I was getting on stage just wearing like I'm wearing now. Yeah. And, you know, the audience just kind of treats you more like you're a guy hanging out, which 
they're fine with because that's what they're they they're not really expecting a show necessarily they're hoping for one but they're also like stand-up isn't really an art it's just somebody talking here's a guy talking <laughs> yeah um it was always fun to wear the suit and tie and come out on stage and plant my feet and have people go like oh fuck okay i guess this is a show yeah i guess we're doing something i always insisted that i got heckled a lot less because people associate the suit and tie with like power sure. and like oh you're my boss i'm not supposed to talk back and uh you know, for what I was talking about on stage, you you look at my body of work and the subjects that I would tackle and the angle I would tackle it from, and you can imagine people have gotten upset over the years. Oh, yeah. And when I was wearing the suit and tie, they would just get upset and then maybe leave at the end of the night and then maybe send me an email. Versus, you know, if I look like a regular guy, people might feel like, I should confront you now. I should yell out now. I should talk to you at the end of the show interesting and, and the psychology of people just wouldn't just wasn't that way no so when i wasn't wearing the suit i'm just on stage i'm just talking things got a little more uh biographical certainly because we're just we're just hanging out i'm sure. like well let me tell you about me i think i said at the show last night i never wanted to be one of these comics that gets up and talks about his wife and his dog and then i was stuck inside for two years with my wife and my dog so <laughs> get ready to hear about them everybody <laughs> um you know, you're left without choices. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's this other thing that I've been talking about. I've had the same therapist since like 2011. Okay. And so we keyed in pretty early on that so much of my act is me kind of pushing the audience around and yelling at them kind of like, what do you want from me? Because I do this joke about fat women and you moan. And then I do this other joke about fat women and you explode with laughter. So what is going on with you guys? That's not me. That's you making choices. Um, so many people are like, well, you're not allowed to talk about subject X. And then I do. And they go, well, the way you did it was fine. Yeah, you don't know what you want. That's the problem. Yeah. Yep. And so that was very real for me because that's how I felt about my dad my whole life. You know, uh, I come home. I'm like, Dad, I'm going to be a lawyer. And he's in his chair reading his newspaper going, great. Dad, I'm going to be a professional basketball player. Okay. Dad, I got my driver's license. Good for you. And it's like, you know, my therapist was like, yeah, you were you were hoping to say, like, Dad, I'm going to go into battle. And he's going to go, okay. And he's going to put down the newspaper and say, let me grab my sword. You were hoping he would, like, support you. Here's some advice, son. Yeah. Oh, you're going to be a professional basketball player? Sit down. Let's talk about this a little bit. You're you're not going to be 6'6", let alone 7'2". <laughs> you don't come from athletic people. None of us are athletes. Um, you know, nothing, he didn't want to do anything discouraging. So he just smiled and went good. It's like talking to a golden retriever. Hey, we're going to go to the park. Hey, we're going to the beach. Hey, we're going to the forest. And the dog's like, awesome. I'll get in the car. Whatever you want to do. I'm happy for you. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just no way to raise a kid. Um, and so I can relate to this more than, than, you know. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of us who had. You know, my dad's grandfather came out of World War II, and so he's stoic and uh, doesn't want to talk about all the trauma in his life. So he's a hard ass to his kid. Sure. And then, you know, that generation of men were like, I'm going to be real supportive of my kid. But they didn't know what that meant because they never experienced it. Right. So they were just like, be agreeable. <laughs> yeah. Be agreeable and be positive. So you had so many do that. And then you have my generation where like, we nobody guided us. Everything's just open. It's all, none of it makes sense. And uh, so my anger about that came out over the course of three albums. But you know what happened? I think I got a lot of it out. Yeah. That's <laughs> and now I'm married. And now, like, you know, my wife supports me and heaps love on me. So that need to, like, yell at people and go, what do you want from me, has diminished to a very small level. So that muse is no longer there pushing the writing anymore. Yeah. And so then it's like, okay, well, I guess I should keep track of just what's going on in my life and figure out where the punchlines are there. And I can't tell, I, I can't tell if I'm getting the same satisfaction out of it. Oh, it's, and why would I, it's a completely different thing. Yeah. It's so it's going to be a different satisfaction. The way people talk about how much they love their kids, you go, all right, well, I, I can't, I don't have kids, so I can't relate to that. But when I get up and get on stage and talk about my dog, you know, there's part of me, there's the comic side from those first three albums that that's like, what are you doing up here talking about your dog? What is this? 
You're a dog comic now? Really? <laughs> but then the other side of me is like, yeah, but I love my dog and I want to talk about him. People love their dogs and we're connecting and it's fun and everybody's happy and people can look up the dog on Instagram at it's me Houdini and we can all connect over the dog. And The dog has more Instagram followers than I do. Yeah. Your yeah. dog does. Well, do you know why I mentioned it just now? Because uh, if I told people to follow me on Instagram, they will not do it. But if I tell them the dog is on Instagram, they do it immediately. And 100 people will follow the dog and 10 of those will click over and be like, well, I, I might as well follow Ryan too. <laughs> when I've mentioned, I, I did a, a show at Purdue University in April. I mentioned the dog's Instagram. Didn't mention mine. And I get a call from my wife afterward being like, so you must have talked about the dog on stage because all of these people started following the dog. And then I opened my Instagram and I'm like, yeah, and I got a nice big spillover from college kids who would have never followed me. And so it's this like almost <laughs> psychological trick to, to keep in touch with the fans. Yeah. But, uh, you know, who doesn't want to see a, a cute dog in their feet? Sure. Absolutely. Of course. <laughs> Didn't you, didn't you, oh, I shouldn't say it, I'm going to give away. Didn't you joke on stage last night about how the dog, like, opened so many things up, like, suddenly, you know. Like, people are just talking to me. Yeah. I'm out on a walk, and people are like, hi. And I'm like. Yeah, you, you're doing the same thing with your Instagram, leave, basically. Leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. yeah right, exactly. I'm doing the exact same thing. I love that. Uh, but the satisfaction is certainly different. Like, the, as, as cathartic as it is to, like, yell at my dad. It's fun to talk about this little animal that I spend so much time with. Sure. It's fun to talk about my wife, who I love dearly, and to just share and be able to connect with strangers over the idea of, oh, you have people that you love, and they do strange things, and now we're connecting, as opposed to me challenging them constantly. So I was here with my wife last night, and I can tell you that uh, you have a joke where it starts out talking about having separate checking accounts. Separate bank accounts. Se or separate banking, uh, bank accounts. Yeah. My wife and I also have separate bank accounts, and the riff that you or whatever, the, your jokes that, that uh, were, uh, followed that, my, that was the hardest my wife laughed all night. <laughs> so talk about, so you're doing a good job relating to both sexes is what I'm telling well, you. Strangely enough, I called my wife after the show. That bank account joke had never been told. That was the very first time that it had ever been on its feet. And uh, my wife loves that joke. It's one of her favorite jokes because it's absolutely true. And... Um, uh, it's one of those things where I should say the joke has been told three times, once to my wife, once again to my wife, once I figured out the wording a little better, and then on stage last night. And uh, so awesome. she was she was like, uh, yeah, it's had 100% success rate. I said, yeah, it's been told three times to two audiences. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That was the biggest laugh when we were sitting back. My <laughs> wife loved that one. Yeah. So well done. Thank well, you. Well done. I, I'm also going to uh, uh, say that... We got to the car last night, and my wife said to me, so I thought well, the funniest person contest is going on right now at Acme. People definitely encourage people to sign up and participate in that. Yeah. There were some contestants last night. At one point, uh, you were on stage here, and someone poked their head through the curtain. And when we were after the show, my wife's like, when that person popped their head through, I thought it was one of the contest contestants drunk, not knowing where they were. Uh but who was it? It was Nick Swartzen. It was Nick Swartzen. And he was drunk and didn't know where he was. <laughs> and it was incredible and it was fun. And no, it was, uh, yeah, it is, it is always, uh, it's always so fun to like be in show business and know people for a long, long time and to just have them appear at a live show yeah. on stage with you. You never expect it. And yet it's one of those, it's, it's like you go to see the Foo Fighters and then Paul McCartney walks out. And he's going to jam a little while. Yeah. And they're excited and he's excited and they all do it. And their crowd's like, what is this? We got to see this? Okay. Not even a big Paul McCartney fan, but I'll take it. He's a Beatle. Why <laughs> yeah. not? Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those magical showbiz things mm -hmm. that you always hope to happen. You're always glad to see it. You know, I've been on shows where Chappelle shows up and everybody goes crazy. You're on shows where... Certainly in, in the Bay Area, I was on shows where Robin Williams would pop in oh. and the crowd was like, it's, it's happening. It's exactly what we always wanted comedy to be. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, um, that would be amazing. So, yeah, it just just uh, always fun to see Nick. And I would have never guessed that he would have been home in Minneapolis during the same time I was. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I told my wife. is She had no idea he was in town. But I was like, he just did two shows uh 
at a casino over the weekend. So uh-huh. yeah, I knew uh-huh. he had been in town. So I was not completely surprised. And it's the second time I've seen that happen here. Yeah, you know, of my years coming to Acme, where he walked out in the middle of someone's act and yeah. <laughs> surprised them. So and I assume I'm going to see it again someday. Yeah, I assume so too. Yeah, I really think and, so. And by the way, I thought Nick and I were going to like hang out and riff, and I was like looking around the stage for like the second if there's a second mic. Mike, yeah. Um, and uh, there just wasn't one, so we're just kind of. We're at this standstill. Like, what's what's going to happen? And Nick had this feeling about him, like, well, I interrupted your show without a plan, <laughs> and now we've hit a wall. <laughs> Surprise! Uh, I'm going to go. <laughs> uh, I did see him hanging out at the bar afterwards when I was leaving. It's, yeah, well, it, it, and and he's he's big enough of a star that he can come out unannounced with no plan. Yeah. Crowd's just delighted he's here. Yep. Crowd's delighted I got a hug. The crowd's yeah. delighted, like, oh, okay, so Ryan is good by proxy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd take it. I would absolutely take it. Uh, you know, along those lines, I've been meaning to ask uh, some people this question, throw this one in every now and then. Uh, random celebrity sighting. Mm. Can, what pops into your head? Like, we're, you know, like you're at the dentist, and yep. you're like, what the fuck is... So I was at, I was, like, leaving the grocery store, and for whatever reason, like, Jonah Hill was at that grocery store buying flowers... And I went, okay, good job, Jonah Hill, good for you. I was I was eating a little sandwich shop in my neighborhood. Giovanni Rubisi's outside on his cell phone looking pensive and talking into the phone and pacing around. And I was like, all right, that's good, gotcha. Um, pensive probably his real first name? I mean, that's uh, what his face always looks like. Honestly? I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. Uh-huh. I mean, who's not going to cast that guy as the pensive guy? Yes. Uh, everybody's got a type, and he knows his, and everybody knows his. They yeah. go, ah, oh, look at you, pensive. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I was I was getting my, I've gotten my hair cut by the same hippie painter dancer woman <laughs> for this for the last like 15 years or so and we're great friends and you know when when you sit in the chair and somebody cuts your hair you're checking in with them oh, consistently yeah. for years so I was visiting her she had moved over and ended up with some little like salon space in Beverly Hills of all places and so I was not a Beverly Hills haircut guy. But she wasn't a Beverly Hills haircut person either. Oh, okay. It just happened to be the space that she ended up in. Yeah. So I'm going to go visit her like I always do. And there's a pizza place across the way. And who's outside with a full box of pizza, handing out slices? Gary Shandling. Just random people on the sidewalk. Do you want a slice? I bought I bought the whole pie because it was, take a slice. Yeah. Did you get one? Um, I, I no, I was late. I couldn't. I couldn't grab a slice. Get my hands all greasy. <laughs> Same pizza place. I've seen Andrew Dice Clay hanging out, and uh, uh, I was out for a jog. And Seth Rogen is like walking his dog, and Seth Rogen, very nice, stepped off the sidewalk, pulled his side dog out of the way, and I went, "Thanks, man," and jogged past. But you have that little moment with Seth Rogen where you go, "Oh, he's that type of person," where he's aware of people in his surrounding area that's good and he's like i don't want to be in the way so i'm gonna move as opposed to a celebrity where like yeah i'm jogging he's looking at me doesn't want to get off the sidewalk you know wants me to go around him because he's um thinks of himself as a big shot right no, it's always great to see the nice canadian polite seth rogan to be like ah let me i'm kind of high let me get out of your way <laughs> <laughs> did uh did you th- did you was your Using his name, did you think, oh, thanks, Seth, just like, because, you, you know, pretend like you know him, because he's so recognizable, and so you're just going, thanks, man, or sure. whatever. Sure, sure, sure. Thanks, Seth. Well, um, as you know, I'm not always the greatest with faces. True. And so I'm 99.9% sure it's Seth Rogen, because he is very recognizable, but I know myself, <laughs> and I know I get faces wrong, so I didn't have the confidence to be like, all right, so thanks. You should have got him to laugh. Then but you, you know what would have been great? If it isn't Seth Rogen, and I go, thanks, Seth Rogen. Full name. And some guy's like, I guess I do kind of look like Seth Rogen. <laughs> <laughs> and I am kind of high, so it's understandable. Uh, but that's what I high. think of when I think of just random celebrity sightings. Living in Hollywood, you just get them. Jeff Goldblum at the grocery store. You run into everybody at the grocery store if oh, they're the type of celebrity that will buy their own groceries yeah. as opposed to having it delivered. Uh, if you're in the middle of West Hollywood or you, whatever, you're going to just run into people. Sure. Yeah. You think you'll live there for the rest of your life? I'm hoping to leave as fast as possible. Seriously? 
I mean, L.A. is just so expensive. And when I moved to West Hollywood, I was 23 years old. Okay. And I'm looking around and I'm like, okay, so there's a lot of 20 somethings. And then there's a lot of like very old Russian people. That's who's in that neighborhood. Hmm, And I was like, I wonder where like my comedy peers who are like in their 30s are. And it turns out they moved over the hill into the valley into like a home as opposed to being in a terrible little apartment. Um, and as you get older and you start looking around, you start going, this place is loud. I'm in my late thirties. This place is overrun by 20 somethings. They're partying. They're, you know, they're out on the street at night being loud. They scare my dog. They're it's, it's just insanity here. I don't connect with these young people. I got to move over the hill and get into the Valley and get into a house. Um, but then we had this pandemic made remote work so easy. I of course can travel from wherever to go do stand up. Um, my wife now works for an app. She's a producer of content for an app. And, uh, so she can work from home from anywhere. And so we're kind of like looking around the country going, where do we move? And why is it that the housing market sucks (laughs) (laughs) of all times when we finally made the decision of like, Oh, we could get out of here. Let's not get out of here. Uh, I think there's also this kind of thing that's happening in Hollywood that everybody is well aware of, which is, you know, I'm a guy that moved to town booked a, a pilot within the first six months, did well on it, got to do another show, did well on that, got to do another thing, did some nice TV stuff. I've been on TV a few hundred times, and uh, the ratings prove that America will watch when I'm on, and yet when it's time for me to try to get a job, people go, straight white guy, not interested, next. And they just brush me aside, and I'm like, wow, it is so strange that my long resume leaves me at straight white guy and a straight white guy with no resume is my equal yes like that's that's the environment you've created in hollywood right uh-huh. now and by the way it'll shift it'll shift again but will it shift in my favor with my advanced age <laughs> and you do, you don't know like once it shifts they'll be like we're welcoming straight white men again but only age 23 to 26 <laughs> You know, it's going to Hollywood's full of nonsense. Mm -hmm. And you've even got casting directors now. You've got casting directors who are women of color who are sitting at coffee houses and I can hear them talking. And these two women are like, the networks have to let go of this diversity thing. It just isn't it isn't what they think it is. They're insisting on it. They just don't know the talent pool, but they just want what they want. And they're like, we can't. It's so hard to keep up with the demand from people who don't know what the market looks like. And I'm just sitting there quiet going, okay, well, you ladies would know better than I would. Yeah. And if you're saying that the diversity thing is crazy, I'll believe you. Yeah, right. That? And then after you pay your check, you slide them your card. Like, just <laughs> right, in right. case when things change. Yeah. How about that? I was actually turned down for a, a game show that I had, I had shot the pilot for. And everybody at this network had a big meeting and they're like so we like the show and everybody's again like, yeah, we like ryan as the host and everybody goes yeah and they were like it was a great pilot very funny and then one little hand went up and went i just feel like we have a lot of straight white guys hosting things on our network and that was it in secret they went out and they started looking for a different host and i say in secret because that's important Because in my contract, they could have just let me go at any point for any reason. Mm -hmm. They could have said, we're picking up the show. We're just not picking you up. But instead, they started the talent search in the hopes they would find somebody else. And if they didn't, they could just come back to me and get me for the same price. And once we got wind of this thing happening, my manager called them and was like, hey, you guys can't. If, if you guys aren't picking him up, you have to let him out of the contract because we have, we have other jobs to pull down. You can't hold him in the hopes of keeping him when you're doing a talent search because what happens is you're going to let him out of his contract. You're not going to find who you want to find. And then you have to crawl back to us with a suitcase full of money dangling <laughs> from your mouth. That's how showbiz has always worked. Yeah. That's why we have the contracts. And the network went, yeah, well, we're really sorry. I guess, yeah, we're going to keep looking. And we're really, yeah, we're going to let Ryan out of the contract. Like once they were cornered, once they had to do it, they let me out. But if we ever went to a courtroom (laughs) and any of this stuff was brought up, they they would just be flat out denial. They would all just be like, yeah, Ryan just wasn't a fit for the show. That's how showbiz works. That's what they would say. But the order of events doesn't prove that. 
And have, have you considered, it's wild. Have you considered picking up an accent? Like maybe that would be make you a little more diverse. Strangely enough, I was just so interested in this whole, you know, diversity thing. And I'm not angry about it. I'm very interested. It's just a curious way to approach business. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I want to add this other detail. They went out to a lot of women of color who to, to host this game show because they wanted to audition them. And you know what they found? Great, talented women of color who could host the game show. They found the talent. Sure. But were those women of color willing to work for the peanuts that Ryan Stout was willing to work for? They were not. So now you've got this added level where their their agent is going, yeah, you can't get her for those prices. You can't get her for cable game show wow. prices. What a game. And so the network has to go, well, we like her. We like these other people. We like these these diverse options. But because of the market demand, we don't have the money to pay them. So what did they end up with? They ended up with a straight white guy who didn't have a resume. That's who they ended up with, who they could pay less than they were going to pay me. So it all worked out for their bank account. And guess what? The show did one season and then it say, went off the air. It's been canceled. I yeah, guess. it's yeah. gone. It's gone. And all of those hardworking people who developed the show, all of the camera operators, all of the lighting people, all of the other people of color who worked in the production. Yeah. Jobless. Great job, Hollywood. Really good job. So it's this weird, weird thing where people are just bending over backwards for this idea of diversity when there are so many other factors at play and when they don't all converge at the same time, everyone gets screwed. <laughs> but I, I think that's always been the business. I think they've always been gunning for whatever's popular. Of course. In, in whatever regard they could get it. And sometimes it falls apart. Well, I'll tell you what. Another thing I saw on Facebook this morning was somebody advertising one of these uh, like prefabricated mobile homes. Mm-hmm. Seventy grand, nine nine hundred dollars I saw per month for the rental for the spot in the mobile uh, park. What do you think? You can move to Lake Elmo, Minnesota. Wow. Huh? Wow. Seventy grand, two bedroom, mm-hmm. washer dryer. Yeah, and it's and it's right there. And uh, you guys have snow, right? There's snow that happens because yeah. I don't know if if me and my wife who grew up in Miami can do any snow. <laughs> um, I I grew up in El Paso, Texas, which is a desert. Everybody, right? We right. we literally don't know what to do in the winter time. Like we hear about people in Boston like turning on their faucets before bed so that the pipes don't freeze, and we're like, yeah, I wouldn't even know to do that. You don't when you unhook the hose in the winter. You don't. Shut off the water valve so that your pipes don't freeze? D- d- no, the pipes are not going to freeze. The pipes have never frozen. Uh, one, actually, El Paso, Texas does does get cold at night. Desert gets cold at night, especially in the winter. But my dad will hang like a, you know, he has like a work light that he uses in the garage. And if he just hangs that on the pipe, the, the heat from the bulb is just warm enough to keep it good all night. Oh, long. he's using one of the old-fashioned bulbs still that produce heat. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if he, you know, moves on to LED. It's done. That's not going to work over. anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, even, like, when I found out that people have denim jeans that are also lined with, like, something warm, I was like, "That's is that a thing? I would have never known. I would have never known. I did the most dad thing a couple months ago. I bought a pair of those at Menards. Okay. For about $12. And you're like, this is going to keep me warm. Yes. I'm for it. They're ugly as hell. They are denim lined with, uh, you know, like flannel material. Yeah. yeah. They're wonderful. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, I'm not going to be a schmuck and just wear pajamas under my jeans. I got I to gotta get it sewn oh, on I've there. done that too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've absolutely yeah, yeah. done that too. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Um, the idea, <laughs> The idea of long underwear. I'm like, yeah, I've worn long underwear twice when I've gone skiing. Oh, I have favorites. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have my favorite long underwear and the desperation last chance long underwear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, you're saying you're not interested in moving to Minnesota, I guess, is I, what I'm hearing. You know what? I love it here. Uh, I just don't know if it's a year-round place for me. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Are you recording this week at all? Here? Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to record some audio just to see if I can get, get a few things. I don't have a top-to-bottom, like... As I was telling you, like it's all this biographical stuff now. I'm not sure quite how it comes sure. together, but uh, I'm always interested in putting something down on the record. I think it's, I think it's my generation of comedians being influenced by Bill Hicks and Bill Hicks having all those recordings come out posthumously. Oh yeah. Where I think a lot of us are like, uh, all right, well, we got to have the material down in case we die. 
Hopefully, hopefully somebody cares about me enough to like go through these recordings. But uh, at least we'll have them. Does your wife we'll have, have the passwords to the archives? She has uh, passwords to everything. Okay. Because, you know, my wife was uh, she toured as a, as like a tour manager for musicians for a long time. And so when we met and we traveled together, it was amazing because you're like traveling with somebody who knows how to travel. And so we we show up at the airport and she's like, you're TSA pre, right? And I was like, of course, you're TSA pre? She said, yeah, yeah, buddy. We get through security within like two minutes versus I've traveled with women who, you know, we get up to the counter. Uh, they need your ID. Oh, OK, it's right here. And then she puts it away. We get to TSA. They need your ID again. Yes, get it, get it out. Learn how to do this. God damn it! Um, <laughs> when you travel with people who don't know how to travel, it is slow and infuriating. But when you have a partner who knows the ins and outs, so much easier, because it's like, hey, we can divide and conquer this. Even let's let's go to the gate. Let's see what it looks like. Let's put the bags down. I'm gonna go to the bathroom, and then uh, you sit with the bags. I'll get you a coffee. What do you say? And you're just, it's all That's the way to do a, it. A beautiful moving thing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, because I've been following Houdini the dog for so long on Instagram, I eventually saw your wife's account. And I, I was going to ask you, like, how, who, why, how is she who she is? She's got a, a lot of Instagram followers. I'm seeing pictures with the new kids on the block. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So now you've, you've kind of explained that. So she apparently had to worked with them, for them? Um, it, the, their latest tour, she helped uh, assistant creative produce, um, which means wow. that, that, well, actually, she... I'm going to take that back because she and Donnie Wahlberg would get on the phone a lot and he's always the creative director of the shows. And he has a lot of big ideas about what he wants on the big LCD screens behind them, what he wants as far as lighting, what he feels like should happen as far as pyrotechnics and when confetti should come down and what acts should go in what order. And, you know, um, he, he really is, you know, watching that guy work, Donnie Wahlberg gets down. He, he has a lot of big ideas, and because he's a typical creative type, it's hard to take what's in your head and get it out your mouth and then have somebody create it in the way that you imagined it. And my wife was always very good at listening to him and going, I think I know what he wants. I'm going to give him these options and let him pick. And he always looked at the options, always found one that he liked, and he went, Stacy, you're brilliant. Uh, versus people were in her position in the past who he would say, this, I think I want this, and I want this other thing, and I want this. And they'd be like, okay. And they would walk away going, I don't have any idea what that guy wants from me. Yeah, I don't know where to start. And uh, she was just always knew how to collaborate with him. Um, so she works with the new kids fairly regularly. When she stopped tour managing, she started working for a management production company. And they were managed by this company. So that's how she started working with the new kids. But she also ended up producing... Like the American Idol tour when it would go around after the show, after the season finale, you yeah, know, yeah. when the contestants yeah, tour. Yeah, the touring show, sure. Dancing with the Stars, she would do that tour. So You Think You Can Dance, she would produce that tour. And uh, Wild. Yeah, she just, she knows how to get stuff out onto the stage for live performances. Yeah. And the best part is the very first time she ever went to like a stand-up show with me, I was working in San Francisco, so we drove up from LA, we check into the hotel, we get some dinner, we go back to the hotel, I'm ironing a shirt and putting a suit on, and she's like, what time is the show? And I said, eight, when are we gonna leave the hotel? And I was like, probably about 7.45, and she's just panicking. Because a musician, in, in that world, you get there at like 6 p.m., yeah. you do sound check, you have a back line to install, you've got all these things, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm gonna walk in, walk onto the stage, grab the mic, I'm going to talk, and then we're going to leave. And she was like, this is incredible. <laughs> I bet. You think about somebody like Miley Cyrus, who ends up touring with two jets, because otherwise, she has to sit on the jet and wait for them to load gear. But if she has two jets, she gets to take off immediately after the show, where the rest of the crew works and loads gear, and then the other jet goes. You There's know a I mean? huge country concert in town this weekend at the viking stadium mm -hmm. eric church mm. when my wife and i left here yesterday uh heading home we drove past his semi-trailers yeah that was a wednesday night they're w setting up for the concert that is saturday right yeah right 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 little right. different than a comedy show and by the way i get off stage i i put the mic in the stand i walk off stage somebody hands me a check and we're out the door there's no waiting there's no there's no checking in huge stacks of luggage at the airport. And my wife is just like, 
you comics have it so easy. And I said, yeah, but the residuals suck. Because <laughs> if, you're, if you're in a band and you have a song that's picked up yeah. and it goes on a commercial for the Super Bowl, not only do you make that money from the commercial and that licensing, but people start downloading on iTunes and you start making that money. It gets played, uh, you know, all these places. You just start raking in money. I would love if all of my tracks on Spotify, if all of them, got as many clicks as one Ed Sheeran song. Yeah. That's what I would, I would be over the moon. And I've thought about telling people like, that's the goal. The problem is it's like one Ed Sheeran song is 1.4 billion listens. And people are like, yeah, we're not listening to your 46 tracks a billion times. We just refuse. How about the merch money that uh, musicians get? I've had that job several, uh, you know, I filled in doing that quite a few times in my life. Yeah. The, Tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars that uh, just in T-shirt sales that happen in a night at a concert yeah. is astounding. Yeah, astounding. Well, and one thing I talked to to Dan Schlissel last night of Stand Up Records right here in Minneapolis. Yeah. Dan has been a longtime supporter of mine, longtime friend of Acme, longtime creator of comedy albums. And because Dan came from the music industry, I told him last night I was like, there, there's nobody really working in comedy who understands that psychology like Dan does, of somebody leaving a stand-up show and then like looking over at the merch table to see what's there. Because stand-up records has gone out of its way to create cool like enamel pins, or here's this poster, or here's this, you know, t-shirt, or here's, you know, an eight-track tape. Here's something that you as a fan can grab and hold yeah. and take with you and be connected to the artist. And Dan, there's nobody in the world doing that. And Dan is the only one doing it for stand-up. And he does such a great job at it. But uh, I always feel like an a schmuck standing out there trying to hawk t-shirts when I'm standing in a suit and tie. <laughs> you know, it's hard when your clientele is like, you would never wear this. Why would I wear this? Interesting. Yeah, uh, I suppose. It's, it's hard. I, and I was thinking, you know, I should just sell like uh, uh, handkerchiefs, you know, you know, for, for, uh, I, and nobody carries handkerchiefs anymore is the problem. That would but be it used to be like a it used to be like a classy thing oh, where yeah. a man would have a monogrammed handkerchief and he would give it to a woman who's crying and then she would take it and she'd be like, Oh, his monogram's on here. I'm gonna find him and give this back to him and then they get married. Right. Like that's how things <laughs> progressed. Yeah. And uh, uh, you know, the handkerchief was like this courting thing and it was very classy and I was like, I should sell sell handkerchiefs after the show. Um, but then I would have to do a bit about handkerchiefs and I was like, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not going to write a bit about handkerchiefs Yet. just so I can sell handkerchiefs. Um, and people are like, you should sell suits after the show. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not a tailor. I'm not going to sit there and get everybody's measurements. Yeah. Hold on. And let, me, let me chalk you up here. And by the way, speaking of, of diversity, I've eliminated roughly half my audience. True. Um, and that's not to say there are women who won't wear suits. There are, but yeah. there are also men who won't wear suits. Um, so, you know, there's no... What, what is the classy merchandise item that I could sell? I leave it to the listeners. <laughs> mm. But you have the album that people, like right now this week, you have the album, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and even that's so strange because I was selling CDs for a long time. And then people started going, yeah, I don't have a CD player. And I went, ah, because these were so light and easy to carry. And now I have to travel around with vinyl, which is heavy. Delicate. <laughs> Delicate. Yeah. And then people are like, I don't have a record player. And I'm like, well, there's a the code inside so you can go get it on your phone just the way you get everything else. Also, pitch it to him as artwork. Put it up on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put yeah. it on the wall in your man cave. Well, you'll notice I do I do hand out the, the quote-unquote artwork from the third album that was never made into a physical thing. So you just oh. get the artwork. Oh, that wasn't... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was never made. Oh, okay, 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 okay. First, first album came out on CD and record, LP, um, second album is just digital. Third album is just digital. Yeah. Okay. Because that's how people operate now. So instead of being able to sell something, I'm like, you have to go listen to it on Spotify, and I get point zero zero six cents every time you click something. It's that much now? It, I might have skipped a zero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, One final thing I want to ask you about, and this is a. Uh, uh, I listened back to the last time we did this in 2018. You mentioned at that time you were going to probably start a podcast. 
And then we hit a pandemic, and a lot of people started podcasts. You did never did start a podcast. I, um, I've actually. I'm, There's one in the can. We're just. It's going to be released soon. That's what you're going to say. There is a uh, a production company. Um, they actually produced Chelsea lately, so I know them from working on that show, and uh, they partnered with a podcast company, and so I'm. We're supposed to launch a podcast. Uh, we were supposed to launch it this week. Come on. Yeah, we were supposed to launch it this week. But it's me and my buddy Emmett, Emmett Short, so short and stout. And uh, we are, <laughs> we've been working on his YouTube channel for a long time. We're longtime friends. He's a stand up comic, and uh, he's always been heavily interested in technology and just the kind of essentially the, the wave of technology that's coming toward us, just the tidal wave that's coming our way, and we're all aware of it. We all know, like, oh, the world's going to change drastically real soon, and we're just kind of tipping our hats at the tidal wave. And you go, yeah, that's not how you treat a tsunami. You actually should, like, buckle down and prepare because shit's going to change. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've been talking on his YouTube page about, like, automation and, you know, AI and all of these other things for years. And uh, finally somebody was like, hey, can you guys do that on a podcast? Because we'd like to do that with a podcast. So... Um, yeah, we're doing uh, the Late to the Future podcast. This is the first time it's being promoted. <laughs> um, no shit. And uh, that'll, that'll start up as a weekly thing pretty soon here. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was this close to not bringing that up. Late. Because I hadn't seen, because a lot of times I'll make that mistake that I'll bring something up like, oh, yeah, that went nowhere. You never sh- should have asked me about that. Yeah, so yeah. I was taking a risk in asking you about that, but I'm really glad it's, that it's, it's actually huge. a thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, got, you got an exclusive by asking. Nice. Um, yeah, we're, we're excited about it. We're excited to talk about, you know, there's just so much coming out every single day. At, during the pandemic, my buddy Emmett bought heavy into Moderna and watched it go through the roof. Like... He that that's the other angle that we're kind of taking with it, which is like if you watch technology and you prepare for what's going to happen, you can make a portfolio grow rather quickly, guys. Okay. And so there's a heavy business angle as well because he does real well with this. He was one of the early people to get involved with like cryptocurrency and Brandon. This is getting your attention, I bet. I mean, but not even from a standpoint of like getting rich, just from a standpoint of like decentralized Internet, Web3. Yeah. And uh, I just worked VCon, but Gary V's thing in town. Okay. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I'm like uh, my interest in this stuff is is growing. Right. Right. And it's it's incredible because it's so new that we don't know where it's going to end up. It is possible that all of the cryptocurrencies that we know about right now flatline, but other cryptocurrencies come up and are the new standard of the world totally possible like there there's always a risk that you get in too early always a risk the other hand bitcoin's been around for 10 years people have been saying oh it's over for 10 years yeah and you go really how long is it gonna need to stick around before you stop going it's a fad um you could you could have uh sided with uh hd dvds instead of blu-ray and make a huge mistake right yeah <laughs> you absolutely could have and even if you would have gone blu-ray you're looking at the world now of streaming going eh, i kind of made a mistake True. with yeah. the blu-ray thing. blu-ray at one point was the victory and now it's yeah, yeah now it's over so you have to wonder like what's apple going to do next what is ai actually going to be capable of next and there's news stories every week that come out and we just explore kind of what's happening and what could happen. And we're not experts. We're just guys that are kind of paying attention to it. So what's the name of it? It's called late to the future, late to the future with short and stout. I yeah. love it. That's yeah. great. Ryan, thank you. Thank you. Glad People, to be here. Yes, come see you, me at Acme, everybody. Come do what he said. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh.